This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from 11 to 1. Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back. Well, it's a fancy Latin name for something that affects all Zoomers, presbyopia. Presbyopia is a normal aging change in which the lens of your eye increases in size and loses its elasticity and flexibility, and that results in the inability to focus on objects up close. And that's why we all, virtually all, end up needing reading glasses at the very least. So, to tell us more, I'm here with one of our trusted contributors, Dr. Ritesh Patel. He's a member of the Ontario Association of Optometrists Board of Directors, and Public Affairs Committee. Welcome, Dr. Patel. Thanks for having me again. Okay, well, it's always a pleasure. So uh, uh, tell me about presbyopia and why we all need reading glasses and, and what's the best way of dealing with it. Oh, I know. Well, you know, I can't beat the Webster's definition you just gave. That one's pretty good. But uh, the reality is uh, essentially what happens in our late 30s and early 40s uh, is that the focusing muscles of your eyes, uh, essentially they're getting a little bit weaker. And, you know, for anybody who's nearsighted or farsighted, or even if you've never had any type of vision uh, issues before, uh, you find yourself kind of starting off with holding things a little bit further away, extending your arms out or, or having challenges when you're, for example, trying to read a menu in a restaurant. Uh, things just don't seem as clear as they used to. And at first, you know, you probably just don't think too much about it. And then you find yourself, you know, either extending your arms and, you know, they eventually come become a bit too short for you. <laughs> uh, or like you just mentioned, one of the solutions, and there's a few of them, uh, is to, of course, get something that's going to help you magnify things up close, uh, which in, the, in what you mentioned right there is reading glasses, for example. Now, uh, we're actually s- starting to notice that it gets uh, it's affecting people a little bit sooner than we used to think. So it used to be kind of mid-40s, uh, and now it's starting to reach down a little bit sooner. So, you know, patients of mine, for example, that are in their 30s, uh, because of the amount of work they're doing on the computer are finding... I going to point at the screen is yeah. that the reason? Well, you know, we can we can probably put two and two together in the sense that uh, you know, essentially, this generation is spending way more time in front of the computer uh, uh, compared to you know, let alone ten years ago uh, or a generation ago, for that matter. So we're just simply finding things such as tired eyes or dryness in their eyes, uh, you know, headaches. Some of those things becoming a little bit more of a of a day to day concern at the end of a workday, for example. That wouldn't necessarily be the case if you you know on a weekend not necessarily spending that time in front of the computer. So we can we can pretty much put two and two together and there's a few studies that kind of show that as well uh, but essentially the presbyopia is a natural aging process uh, which essentially is affecting the near vision and no way to avoid it right happens to everybody it's like white hair you know <laughs> so you know, not everybody gets white hair well if you're like me you don't have hair you don't get the white hair right so you know but the reality would be it, it does eventually it, it'll essentially affect you um, it'll affect everybody now, if you're naturally nearsighted, which means without, uh, let's say, glasses or anything on, you're able to see up close, then depending on the, the level of nearsightedness, that'll always still continue to be the case, right? So, you know, it's not that uh, that will be taken away. However, for most other people that are, let's say, for example, 
farsighted or no uh, prescription whatsoever, you'll find yourself uh, reaching for some type of reading correction, uh, usually in the 40s. Yeah, so th- that's what I, I used to be very nearsighted, right. and, and I didn't have the issue with reading up close right. until... I got that fixed. <laughs> exactly, right? So, you know, I, you know, I see Libby wearing reading glasses or correction right now, and that's exactly what happens, right? So, you know, uh, you know, depending on the level of nearsightedness you have, if you hold it super close, uh, you should be able to see it well. Uh, most people find that, uh, you know, if you're like me, you're a minus, I'm a minus six, which is pretty strong. Uh, you're, I'm not going to be able to hold a computer, for example, that close to be able to function normally. So, it, I'm not quite there yet, fortunately enough, but w- once I do get there, the need for some type of bifocal goals uh, will come into the picture. Okay, I'm going to give out the numbers in case people have questions about their vision. It's 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740 if you have any questions for Dr. Patel about how to correct your vision. Now, we talked about reading glasses. That's a sure. pretty simple solution if that that's all that's happening with your eyesight, but, but it gets a lot more complicated than that if you have the problem uh, with reading in addition to other vision problems. And then there's this whole smorgasbord of of choices you have to look at in terms of correction. That's exactly it. So, you know, essentially when we're talking about, uh, you know, what we just mentioned, we're talking about single vision, right? Like we're just talking about a very uh, set focal distance, for example, a computer. But what if you're, you know, like most people that not only have to look at the computer, but as we are right now looking across a desk, and then I have to go ahead and look across the room or I'm giving a presentation, uh, you know, in front of 100 people or I'm driving, right? So that's really where, you know, reading glasses are just a simple form to help adjust a very set distance. Uh, but once you graduate in terms of being able to have to see multiple distances, that's where something like a progressive or a no-line bifocal comes in, uh, which will allow you to be able to do that as well. Now, that's in glasses. Now, you also have potential options when it comes to correcting astigmatism and contact lenses and even surgical routes that you can take uh, that are able to correct these things in different ways. It really will boil down to a combination of, of course, what the health of your eyes are, your prescription, and, of course, your lifestyle, and trying to figure out what the best solution is is uh, Could, for you. So you can get multiple corrections in contact lenses? Of course, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's amazing, um, we all simplify by call, it, calling it bifocals. Uh, bi means two, but, you know, essentially we're talking about multifocals. Uh, and essentially what you're able to do is correct your distance and your vision you know, not having to necessarily wear glasses, right? So glasses are, are a solution you can easily take on and off, for example, if we need to. Contact lenses are one of those things that you could just put them on, forget about it, uh, assuming they're comfortable and they fit the right way. And that's essentially what you want to be able to talk to your optometrist about, right? Be able to ask them, hey, here's my problem. Uh, of course, they'll diagnose you and be able to kind of get a look at the, uh, the surface of your eye and the health and your lifestyle and decide from there in terms of being able to say, hey, here's option one, two, and three, Let's go through what uh, what the best option is for you. Now, with with contact lenses, mm-hmm. a lot of zoomers end up developing problems because your eyes get drier as you get older. Yeah, and and it's harder to wear the contact lenses all day. You're exactly right. So that's really where, like with most other uh, technologies, it continues to improve, right? So you know the. If you've tried contacts, for example, just once and we're just like, oh, my God, they're too dry. And, you know, this is a common concern we've had in the past is the contact lens companies have, have, you know, listened to that. And essentially, they've come up with much better uh, moisturizing solutions to be able to correct that vision because that's, of course, a massive market for them. Right. So uh, essentially what they want to be able to do is not only provide you the vision, but also the comfort to be able to do what you want to be able to do. 
essentially what I would typically recommend for my zoomers are what's called daily lenses. And these are pretty incredible because you could put them in, take them out, and just throw them away. And not only will they correct your vision potentially for distance, but also for the up close. So if you have that flexibility, let's say you're going on vacation or you're just going out on the evening and you want to be able to just wear them that one time, you have that flexibility as well. So you don't have to necessarily get the contacts that are entire year in length that we used to. They've gotten a lot better to a point where they're just dailies. Okay, that's good. Cause there, and there was a point in there somewhere where, where you had contacts that you could sleep in for a while. Yeah, those are, you know, come and gone because for the, you hit the nail on the head earlier, right? Like the fact is, you know, your eyes in general uh, will get dry overnight, right? Your, your surface of your eye, the cornea, is the only part of your body that actually gets oxygen from the outside environment. So, you know, of course, when you're sleeping, in most cases, your, your lids are closed, so there's less oxygen getting through. And if you throw another piece of plastic on there where you're trying to sleep in them, just not a good idea. So, you know, it came and it went. I don't think most optometrists recommend that. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I know that that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I used them like a long time ago. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that's interesting. You can have con- contacts that correct your presbyopia and, yep. and any other thing, or you can have uh, glasses. Uh, what are the advantages, though, to just, just having reading glasses? And is there any harm if you just you know, buy El Cheapo reading glasses and have a pair here, there, and everywhere. Sure, yeah. So the advantage of, of let's say, having reading, quote-unquote, glasses, um, whether they're customized or not, essentially, you know what, you can put them on, take them off very easily. Uh, most people find that that's not necessarily as convenient, right? So you want to be able to say, let's say you just put something on and you just function the day the way you want in terms of being able to see at multiple distances, whereas with reading glasses, you know, having to take them on and off, depending on your lifestyle, that may become a little bit of a, of a nuisance. You you lose them, and then, yeah. or else what I do is that I, I walk out wearing them and I realize I can't, I can't see You can't see it. There you go, right? Down the hall. Now, uh, enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the phone lines. I've got Reg in Brampton. Hi, Reg. Hello. How are you? Fine. How are you? Hi. How are you, doctor? Hi. Thanks for calling. Listen, doctor, I uh, go uh, every year for my annual checkup for Perfect. my eyes, and I find uh, last time I gone, I they call it dry eyes, but to me it's water. You don't water over your pupil and that. Oh yeah. Where you have, uh, you know, it impairs your vision a little bit when you get that there, and uh, they call it dry eyes. Is that what? The, is that right? Yes, good good question. Very common question I have. So it's it's really interesting to think that, well, how can I have watery eyes if they're actually dry? Like, yeah. that's very counterintuitive. That happens to me, too. Yeah. So, but it's, you know, your doctor's right. That is, in most cases, that's exactly what it is. So what happens when your eyes are so dry, uh, essentially your body and your brain overcompensates, and it sends a certain type of tear that's actually not, ironically, a lubricating tear. It's just a, basically a wash your lid off, or your wash your eye off type of tear. So you actually end up tearing more when your eyes are very dry simply because uh, there's overcompensation from your brain. Yes. Now, uh, he told me that uh, if I try washing, or I think I called in uh, a radio station here one time about that when there was an, uh, it might have been even you on there. If mm-hmm. I wash, try to wash my lids up and down with a warm cloth or something like that, that, that might help. And he also prescribed uh, some drops for me. And, uh, in fact, I got them right in my hand here, and it's 2.5 milliliters. And that's not very much. It's only, you know, uh, and God almighty, that was $48 just for that little thing, you know. And yeah. I, don't, I don't find it helps. Uh, if my eyes get really uh, bad, I, 
I use Visine, and I find the Visine is better than this prescription drop. So you know, a couple steps back. When we're talking about things such as a warm compress, uh, generally speaking, that's really beneficial for anybody who has any type of lid inflammation, which right. typically would be something called blephritis. So your oils that are meant to lubricate your eyes are released from these glands, and essentially every time you blink, the oil should come out. Uh, what can happen over time, whether there's dirt, debris, makeup, bacteria, it gets into these glands and essentially limits how much oil can come out, uh, and in turn, obviously, you get dryness. So your doctor's right in terms of one of the things that I typically recommend for my dry eye patients is a warm compress. Uh, what I would suggest there is the length and time is very important in the sense that you should have it on your eye for about five to ten minutes. Uh, and if you're if you can get a compress that actually stays warm for that long, as opposed to having to warm it up every ten seconds or so, you're much better off doing that. Um, secondly, in terms of the drops. Um, you know, not to name names, but essentially certain drops are going to have a, a really, really extensive amount of chemicals and preservatives in them. Um, so I'm going to, I would typically avoid, uh, you know, typical get the red out type of drops because they actually have a lot of negative impact to your eyes. Now, I don't know exactly what the, what's the drop he, you told me the size, but what's actually the name of the drop he recommended for you? Oh, you said you have Lord. it in your hand. P-A-T-A-D-A-Y. Okay, so that's actually an anti-allergy drop. Uh, which is a prescription drop. It's a little bit different than the typical dryness drop. So, you know, dryness and allergies can go very much hand in hand because if your eyes are too dry to wash off the allergens from the surface of your eye, uh, you know, he or she may have recommended the anti-allergy drop to help with that. But realize your compress is likely going to be the one that's going to help you the most. And you may want to double back with your optometrist because I think they're on the right idea. Uh, but letting them know that you may not be finding the relief you are, you should be from, um, from the, the padded day, uh, that you could be from a lubricating drop. Well, doctor, some days, some days is better than others. Is that common? Yeah, the fluctuation in both in vision in terms of as well as comfort is very common. That's essentially one of the textbook things about dryness is it can fluctuate dramatically because the environment will fluctuate as well. Okay, Reg, thanks so much for your call. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, we have got, ooh, my cursor. Uh, we've got Joan in Burlington. Hi, Joan. Hi, <clears throat> good afternoon. Um, my question is, I was born basically um, clinically blind. I wore, as a child, I wore these Coke bottle glasses for years. Um, I eventually, in, in 1964 or something, I went to contact lenses. Um, I've had cataract surgery about eight, 10 years ago with the lens implant. I have macular degeneration in the right eye. It's too bad I can't have it uh, repaired or anything like that. But what I'm finding these days, I see for the past six or eight months, Especially on a bright day when I go outside, it's like I have a veil in front of my eyes. Now, I haven't the foggiest idea what what causes it. And the doctor I see in Hamilton, he doesn't seem to have an answer for this. He doesn't seem to have, sorry? An answer. Doesn't an, have answer. an answer for that. Okay. So d there could be a few things, uh, obviously, without seeing your eyes. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, essentially, when you're, when you're, anytime there's a veil or some type of, um, you know, shadowing that's coming in front of the vision, mm -hmm. the two to three major things that your doctor or optometrist is going to look at, first and foremost, is the, is the retina, mm -hmm. uh, to just make sure that there's no challenges or impact that's, you know, for example, it, for, uh, peeling off, that's number one. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, they're also going to look at the gel within your eye, which is called the vitreous. Mm -hmm. The vitreous sometimes, especially post-cataract, can uh, not only will it become thicker, but it can actually pull off the back of your eye, which is common. It's actually not uncommon. Mm -hmm. uh, and it'll cast a shadow on the back of your eye. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And that's probably the most common thing that we see post-cataract surgery, or even even if you haven't had cataracts taken out, you can actually have that as well. It's called a floater. I have floaters, and I've had these Lysenkish um, injections a couple of times. It helps at the time, but the floaters always come back. Yeah, the floaters aren't going to go. Like, mm-hmm. just so you know, and, and if, you're, uh, you know, if you've had injections, and you know, your, your surgeon will let you know that essentially it's not meant to get rid of the floaters. What it's meant to do is limit the macular degeneration. Mm-hmm. The floaters will always physically be there, so unfortunately it's, you know, it's an annoying thing for, for a lot of people. However, like wearing a ring or a watch or whatever it may be, after a while your brain can get used to it. It's just a matter of giving it some time. Mm-hmm. I would double back with your optometrist uh, just to kind of make sure that the retina as well as the vitreous, if you want to follow up with those two questions, in terms of making sure that they're intact. Mm-hmm. And if they are, then the rest of it is just potentially casting a shadow on the back of your eye. And that's not uncommon, although annoying. It's annoying, but... <coughs> uh, <laughs> Joan, thank you very much for your call. Oh, okay. We have to take a quick break now, and we will be right back with more from Dr. Ritesh Patel. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from 11 to 1. Fight back on Zuma Radio. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back. I am here with Dr. Ritesh Patel, board member of the Ontario Association of Optometrists. We're taking your calls with questions about your eye health. The numbers 416 360 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we have Keith in Toronto. Hi, Keith. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine, thank you. I uh, appreciate the call. A uh, question for Dr. Patel. Go ahead. Uh, my wife had uh, cataract surgery a short time ago, one on one eye, and then a month later, one on the other one. And she had the upgraded lens, but her vision for distance hasn't seemed to really change any. But the other issue is uh, she has this puffiness under her eyes, which she didn't have prior to the surgery. And that, is that a, a, a like a reaction, or does that eventually uh, disappear? Uh, yeah, good she, question. Sorry that she's feeling like, So how long ago was her procedure? Uh, just before Christmas. Okay, so it's been just about three-ish months. Yeah, so... You know, of course, when they're when doing this procedure, there's quite a bit of manipulation of not only the eyes, uh, but also around your eyes, right? Because there has to be utensils and, and surgical instruments that's being um, utilized there. Yeah. Not unusual to have a little bit of that puffiness. Um, I would give a little bit more time. Of course, things that can help with that are like something cold to just kind of help um, resolve it. But it should get better. I mean, obviously, I don't know the extent of where it was and where it is now. But give it, I'd say, between that three to six months time. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it just continues to improve on its own. Okay, uh, uh, they recommend some sort of a light cream to put on. But uh, my other question is, uh, I, I find that, uh, is this normal practice? The eye surgeon does the surgery. Then for the follow-up, you never ever see the surgeon again. They send you to your ophthalmologist. Is that standard practice? or? Yeah, not unusual, actually. That's That's actually more typical. Um, in the sense that, uh, you know, you're, depending on whether it's your ophthalmologist or your optometrist, I was just telling Libby that, I, you know, I probably manage more than 20,000, you know, cases for that matter of, of pre and post-op care. So the reality would be is, you know, after your, your procedure is actually done, your optometrist in that in that case is, is very well trained to be able to make sure, okay, things are going the way they should. And if there needs to be any type of follow-up with the surgeon again, then they would refer you back. Okay, because he was a little, he says he's a little concerned and he gave her some eye drops that it should be... Uh showing more an improvement so she's been going back like every uh once a month for uh follow-ups and uh 
Yeah, no, no, no. so not unusual for that, that to be, that actually is standard practice. But if there's a concern with uh, whether it's inflammation or, for example, dryness, not too, um, you know, typical things post-operatively, that might be why you, uh, she's got her, um, your doctor's got you on the drops. Now, in terms of the vision as to why that's not where you want it to be, usually, again, takes at least three months for things to settle down. And then, and if you're at that point already, then that's pretty much where you're going to be at. If there's any leftover prescription, that's really where, uh, you know, whether it's laser surgery or whether it's, uh, you know, glasses uh, would be or contacts for that matter could be potential options if there's any gap in the vision. Typically, they don't remove the lens and put a new lens in there. I mean, they do the best they can once they've taken those measurements and 90, you know, 90% of the time plus it'll it'll result in obviously the the you know what you're expecting and sometimes even with everything they did perfectly fine uh the eye and the measurements just react a certain way that you know that 10 percent gap might be there yeah i was uh yeah she needs a reading glasses but he says that they give it to her you know i guess until he's satisfied with the how things are going. The stabilization, now. yeah, exactly. So, you know, hopefully for it should be, uh, be ideal enough to be able to at least function, drive, read, that sort of thing. Uh, but if you really want to uh, fine-tune it, then give it a little bit more time. I, I do rec- I, um, I do uh, agree with that advice that your doctor has given you and then and see where it goes from there. Oh, yeah, because we, uh, we have another appointment coming up uh, in a short time, so we'll see how things go. Yeah, but exactly. I appreciate your help, and thanks very much for your comments. Absolutely. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks. Well, you know, it, it's often it's it's so reassuring, and it's, it's not just with with eyes, of course. That you know, people uh, see their doctors and they get certain advice, and they're just completely have no idea: is this really the right way? Is this the only way? Of course, and, yeah. And and to have somebody who's just there who could say, "Yeah, you're you're on the right track. Don't worry about it." Um, it's 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 really a help, and and I know this, you know, from dealing with other health issues. It's really something very very good. Sometimes, you know, with our patients, we just they just need a, a ear to listen to, right? Because the reality would be is, you know, your surgeon, your doctor, optometrist, they're going to see, you know, a lot of people in any given day, and and you know, obviously, there's a lot of people that need help, um, and sometimes just taking that extra thirty seconds, we try to just make sure that they we were able to answer their questions, so they don't feel that rush right well, because when you're with the surgeon they're in and out oh yeah right? so yeah. and i mean any often any doctor like there's a lot of stress that you have to in a very short period you're conscious of all the people around get in all those questions and if you don't if you, if you forgot a question it, it can be really stressful well when you walk out of your office and there's like 20 eyes looking at you like which doc are you done yet like you know so you know that's the reality is you try and do the best you can but this is why we have the show and your optometrists are able to answer these things just to kind of give you that peace of mind and it is a very good thing we appreciate the peace of mind and we appreciate the advice dr ritesh patel thanks thank you see you soon you're listening to an exclusive podcast of fight back on zoomer radio heard weekdays from 11 to 1 You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.